Good morning, church. How are you today? Well, today we are going to finish up our series called I Love My Church. And before I move on uh, with today's statement, I just want to review where we've been the last several weeks. In week one, I said I love my church because it's a place where found people find people. And that's the reality of meeting Jesus, that when we are found by Jesus, uh, that we have this compelling calling now in our lives to go find people who don't know Jesus Christ. And in, just in this series alone, uh, we've had 140-something decisions for Christ, which is glory to God. And the, the, the reason that happens is because found people find people. Seen over 80 people baptized just in this series alone. In week two, uh, we said, I love my church because it's a place where saved people serve people, and, and that we roll up our sleeves and we get off of the cruise ship and we get onto the fishing vessel where we're all apart and serving and participating uh, that others may come to know Jesus Christ. In week three, we said we love our church because it's a place where healthy people grow and growing people change, and that's what God does with us. Praise the Lord that he doesn't leave us the same, that he grows us, and as we grow, we change, and, and those growing people in week four, we said they get together. That growing people uh, get together. In fact, I, I referenced a few weeks ago this research that I, I read, this article, I think it was a Harvard study actually, that, that talked about the fact that even if you eat poorly and you never work out, you don't have a healthy lifestyle, but you are in a close community, you will actually show signs of physical health in, in your body. But, but if you aren't... Uh, healthy, and if you, well, let me just say it this way, if you do eat healthy and you do work out, you do go to CrossFit, right, but you aren't in a close community, you won't show all the signs of physical health in your body, which is unbelievable to me. As this research shows that. In other words, eating Twinkies together is better than eating broccoli all by yourself. <laughs> and and uh, I, in fact, I would say this, we're going to change our community group slogan around here. It used to be we're not a church with community groups, we're a church of community groups. Now we'll say, join a community group or die right? And that you got to be healthy. And then the last couple of weeks, we heard great messages from Rifka, uh, Barry, and then Rick Rigsby. Did you enjoy Rifka and Rick the last two weeks as we heard uh, from them? And today, I want to end this series, I Love My Church, which uh, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite series at, at the church? And the answer is always the same. The next one. The next one is always my favorite series. In fact, next week, we're starting a brand new series called No Other Name. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to find out what it is that we gain in the name of Jesus, what it is we can do in the name of Jesus, who we are in the name of Jesus. It's going to be a, the best series we've ever done starting next Sunday. And, and today, as we end, I love my church. Uh, the statement for the week is this. I love my church because it's a place where grateful people give. Grateful people give in this place. And here's what I know about every single one of you in all of our campuses. Whether you're here at Battle Creek in this worship center or in the senior high room or in the chapel or at Midtown or downtown or DePage or in Cairo, wherever you are watching online today, here's what I know about all of you. Even if I don't know your names, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of your social status, regardless of your educational status, regardless of your political affiliation, it's true of every single one of you under the sound of my voice today. All of you want to make good and wise investments, right? That's true of all of us. We want to make good and wise investments. Investments of our money, investments of our time, investments of our skill set. You want to invest those things in, in things that are good and in things that are wise and in wise ways. And that means you want to avoid bad investments, right? 
And so what do I mean when I say bad investments? I could give you some examples of some bad investments. How many of you ever made a bad investment in your life? Some of us made some really bad ones, right? Buying Microsoft stock right before the first Apple iPhone came out, that was a bad idea. And it was a really, really bad investment. I don't care if you're a PC or a Mac person, 90% of you carry an Apple in your pocket. And that was a bad one. How about selling bikinis in Alaska? You're never getting your money back on that one, right? Or, or space heaters in Egypt. That would be a terrible investment uh, for you to make. And universally, across the globe, what separates bad investments from good investments is return. Right? Do you understand that? That's what separates them. Return. Return on your investment. And, and financially, that would be return on your money. That you measure what it is that goes in versus what it is that comes back and what it is that you get out of it. And then it's just simple math. Right? Did you make money? Did your investment grow? Did it increase? If I gave you a dollar and you gave me back 10, how many of you would say that's a good investment? Right? Raise your hand. That is a good investment. Okay, I'm not tricking you right here. That's a good investment, right? And, and so well, if, if I gave you or you gave me $5 and a year from now I gave you $100, how many would say you made a good investment, right? We all would understand that we made a good investment. Of course it is. Why? Because you got more out of it than you put in it. That's what an investment is all about. And I want you to hear me today when we say that around here we believe, are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the local church is the single best investment that you can make in your lifetime. Single best investment that you can make. The local church, the bride of Christ. And, and some of you who are skeptics, and you would say, of course you think that, right? You're a local church pastor. But, but I, don't, I don't think that because I have to think that. I think that because of simple math, that you and I get more out of the local church than we could ever put into it. And I love my church because it's a place where grateful people give. And listen, grateful people give because it's a great investment, the local church. And as believers, when we invest in the local church, we always get more back because of the initial investment that compounds our investment. What am I talking about? It all started with the greatest investment of all time Jesus Christ. And God the Father invested Jesus when he gave him to the world. Most famous verse in all the Bible is John 3:16 which says, "This is how God loved the world." And this is how much God loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him or believes on him will not perish but will have everlasting life. It started with the investment of Jesus. And so good uh, or God's investment in this world is his son, Jesus Christ. That's a pretty good investment that he's made into this world. He saw that you and I were weak. He saw that you and I were too powerless. He saw that you and I were too poor to save ourselves. We were incapable of doing that. And so he gave the most valuable thing heaven had to offer, his one and only son who gave his life by dying on a cross so that you wouldn't have to and so that I wouldn't have to. And his investment of Jesus Christ, by the way, was not just for salvation. He also invested Jesus into this world to create a body of believers. The greatest force the whole world has ever seen is the local church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus declared, upon this rock, I will build my church. And if Jesus said he would build his church, he is going to build his church. And the local church 
had never existed before Jesus, by the way. Neither had, quite honestly, the whole idea of the local church. It never existed on this planet. Look on the screens at this passage in Colossians chapter uh, 3, where Paul tells us in verse 11 that in this new life, it does not matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, if you're barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Do you know that before that passage is written and before the church of Jesus Christ was started, that concept was not even thought of? The whole idea that people, different people of different genders and different races and different nationalities and different statuses coming together did not exist. The idea of that did not exist before the local New Testament church that Jesus birthed into uh, existed. Listen, the idea of that didn't, didn't happen. It wasn't even anywhere in the world. Nobody had ever even thought of it. The idea that any human being regardless of color, regardless of status, regardless of education, could come into a community together where they are transformed forever, never existed before Jesus Christ. And not only had there not been uh, a community like that before, the idea of it had never existed before. An idea like that, by the way, is a great idea. It's a wise idea, and it's an amazing idea, which makes it a great investment, a wise investment, and an amazing investment, the local church. And so Jesus, he, he didn't just come into the world. He also invested in us as his followers. How did he do that? By sending the Holy Spirit to empower the church for his mission. Luke chapter 24, verse 28. You can write that down. And, and this is what Jesus said to his disciples. And now I'm going to send him. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, just as God the Father had promised, but stay here in the city, he told them, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What kind of power? Power from heaven. Power from heaven to do what? Well, we stumbled across that in Acts chapter 4 a few months ago as we were going verse by verse by verse through the first half of Acts. In chapter 4 and verse 31, after the prayer, the Bible says the meeting place shook. Right Where they were in, in that room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? It says, then they went and preached the word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit came on them, and then they went and preached the word of God with boldness. And so watch this sequence. God the Father invested into the world Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ invested the Holy Spirit into the local church to empower it. And the Holy Spirit invested people to boldly tell others about Jesus Christ. This is the plan of God. So this begs the question, what do we invest? What, what do you invest? What do I invest? What is our investment? If there is this chain from God the Father to Jesus to the Holy Spirit into the local church, then it just makes sense and it just stands to reason that this series would go on, right? That we should continue to invest, that you and I have an investment to make, right? It just makes perfect sense. Back in week two, a few weeks ago, we read a story out of Luke chapter 12 that Jesus told about some servants. And each of the servants was given a task to do while the master was away. You remember that story? And the wicked servants, according to the Bible, were the ones that let their oil run out and their lights went out, their lamps went out. But the good ones and the faithful ones, uh, the servants who, who trusted God, were the ones who let their light continue to shine. 
Now, if we took a look back at that passage, the key verse in that passage is verse 48, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, because it reveals to us the formula that you and I have in mind when we talk about our investment and what we have to give to the local church. Now, listen to this verse, Luke 12, 48. When someone has been given much, much will be required of them. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? When someone has been given much, much will be required of them. Now, here's the formula. I want you to write this for me down because you're, all of you are trying to wonder, what do I have to invest in the kingdom of God, in the local church, in the bride of Christ? Here's the formula. You can only invest what you have been given. You and I can only invest what we have been given. Which, if you just put logic on that formula and on that equation, the flip side of that is this. So what you have been given is what God expects you to invest. You can only invest what you've been given, and so what you have been given is what God expects you to invest. And so he's given us things, right? He's given us great gifts, and he expects us to use them by investing them in the local church and in the body of Christ. Paul wrote to one of his favorite churches in the book of Corinth, and he talked about this, and it was one of his favorite churches, I think, because of their investment into the kingdom of God and into eternity, into the local church. And in his letter, he's telling them that he's going to come to them and he's going to collect an offering. Not for them. This is over and above their normal tithes and offerings, but he's going to collect an offering to go back to the mothership in Jerusalem. And he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt they are going to make a big investment. Why? Because they always do. He knows that. Now, take a look at the rationale that Paul uses to explain the resources that you and I have. Look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And somewhere around verse 8, 9, and 10, he goes into this diatribe about the resources that God puts in our hands as the children of God. And I want us to read those verses together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's look at, at verse 8. Here's what he says. God will generously provide all you need. Circle that word all in your Bible. In fact, let's all say all. All. He, that God will generously provide all that we need. In other words, we've been given all we need from where? From God's great storehouse. That's where it came from. And he says, then you will always have everything you need. In other words, if you're a part of his family, he takes care of you and he will provide for you. If you're a part of the family, the family takes care of each other. That's the way the Bible prescribes this thing to work. Now take a look because Paul keeps talking and look what he says. And you won't just have everything you need always and you will have plenty left over to share. In other words, not only does God provide for our needs, he gives us more so that we have something to share. That's the plan of God in the lives of his children. And what's the context of all of this and why on earth is the Apostle Paul so sure that they're going to give? It's because they are cheerful givers. And they are grateful people. And because they are grateful, they are generous Listen, even back in Luke 12, where we just were a minute ago, we said it in week two. What is the motivation? What's the motivation to give? The motivation to give is receiving. That we have received, therefore we are motivated, motivated to give, and the answer to that is gratefulness, right? That, that grateful people give. 
And gratitude is at the heart of generosity. Listen, gratitude and generosity, they go hand in hand. They cannot be separated. And if you are grateful, hear me, you're a giver. If you're not a giver, you're not grateful. Do you understand that? And one is easy to hear. The other is the exact same truth just flipped on his head. That if you are grateful, you will give. And I could tell you that, and I could show you examples of that, but I think it would be better to let you hear some people's stories uh, as it plays out. And so I want you to watch on the screen. I want you to hear some stories about some grateful people who have given who had no idea what I was asking them to walk into. And little did they know that we were going to put this on video. And so that's how we roll. So just watch this video. tell you a couple of reasons I brought you here. One is to tell you thank you for who you are and what you do for our church and how you participate, how you contribute and with your time and your talents and your treasures. You're pretty special people at the church. And secondly, we're collecting stories about the church and about people in, their, in the church. And so I want to just ask you, first of all, how you came to the church and what year that was and, and what it was that caused you to stick. I know, Gordon and Virginia, you were here at Gracemont and uh, the former church and, and you watched a young pastor come in and take your church and plant it in the ground like a seed really have a funeral uh, for that church and birth a new one and see, see what would come out of the ground and I, I remember having dinner at your home and I, I remember like it was yesterday all those years ago in 2003 asking you guys how, why do you do this and why do you put up with this and why and I remember at your dining room table both of you saying we want to help build a church that will reach our granddaughter and it did and it did yeah. we baptized her last year now. yeah pretty awesome uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to think about all that God has done here I'm glad that y'all are here well, let's talk for just a second of something I'm sure that all four of you remember, and both couples remember, something we did in 2006 called Next Steps. And it, it was the uh, first and really the only capital campaign we've ever done as a church. And, and so when I say the word next steps, what, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind or to your memory? Uh, it was exciting to see the plans, and it was exciting to see it implemented not knowing exactly how yeah. we were going to accomplish that. I think that you, I remember looking at it as such a big goal and then looking back on it going, we should have prayed for more. I think we gave the first year probably our entire commitment and just felt led that we needed to do more. Wow. You know, that's one of those things, clearly that's not human nature, yeah. right? right. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We're selfish. We want things for us. Right. right. You had but, little kids. There were plenty of things you could have been doing with your life Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But we just felt led that that's what we needed to be doing. We yeah. tried to be faithful to that. We didn't know, right? We thought we were going to Battle Creek. We thought we were giving to one worship center. We had no idea that it would end up in Midtown, at 38th and Lewis, and downtown, and DuPage, and Cairo, and South Tulsa, and Owasso, and campuses all over the place, right? We did not 
have any idea of what was going to happen. And uh, it would be one thing for me to say thank you to you. But it's a whole other thing for you to hear from specific people whose lives were changed, whose lives were turned upside down because of you investing in the kingdom uh, of God. And, and so tonight, a few of those people just want to talk to you for a minute. I want to tell you thank you for the investment that you made in the kingdom of God and the sacrifice that you were willing to undergo to participate and to be a part of what God was doing. Creek for uh, almost three years uh, before we even got married uh, we knew that God had something special for us uh, we didn't know what that was we're at the Owasso Baptist yeah. Children's Home now um, and we are house parents out there um, it doesn't happen without people that are generous to give it's impacting us um, as a younger generation to really step out there and, and to be the hands and feet of Christ and so I just want to say thank you So my name is Zach, as you guys know, and uh, I just want to start off with saying thank you for uh, leading the way and being sacrificial uh, and, and giving in the church. Uh, what that has done in my life has made such a huge impact for the way that uh, I've been able to enter into ministry and to uh, even, you know, to give now and see the significance of it from uh, God radically changing my life. and what I thought I was walking in relationship with him, uh, you know, the Lord just confronted me and said that I didn't know him. And uh, at camp, I was able to, to give my life to the Lord. Because of that, I've been able to see what was, you know, just a dream become a reality uh, through the, the last, uh, through next steps. And so, uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, being sacrificial and, uh, and giving and leading the way. My childhood was rough and there was a lot of abuse. Um, my mother is paranoid schizophrenic and so I left home when I was 14. Basically I was a runaway and I lived on the streets and I was like slept behind McDonald's and you know um, just kind of made by how I could. I never graduated high school. I uh, always had the will and like the desire to be somebody but I never knew how to get to what I wanted to be, if that makes sense. It was like I was so limited by my education and by my knowledge of Christ and um, who I was to God and uh, how much God loved me. All of that changed when I came to this church. Um, but there's been so many people that um, have just stepped up and have been like a mother and a father. And I went from having no parents to having like so many sets of parents. Uh, so this hasn't just changed my life. It's changed. It's like the ripple effect. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. And um, it's not about me. It's about how can I share with the other people that I know everywhere, all the time, that I come in contact with, what Christ has done for me. And um, thank you so much for just giving yourself and um, loving the church and being the church. So we made a commitment in 2006, and we thought we were making that to reach a few people. We had no idea. 
you know what's crazy is that we still have no idea <laughs> what God wants to do and what God wants to do through us and how God wants to use us. The great news is it's the best is yet to come. Our community group prayed for Angela and I didn't know who she was until she sat here. So it's exciting to see what's happening in our lives. Yeah. Lives change. Come along. That's what it's all about. So amazing, isn't it, to hear stories like that? It's encouraging and it's empowering that, that people found this place and at this place they met Jesus and they were so grateful about meeting Jesus that they gave. And, and they were so grateful that they invested and they came here and they experienced life change and because of that they were grateful and, and they gave and grateful people give, grateful people invest and, and the investment that they gave allowed others to come and meet Jesus, and those people met Jesus, and they experienced life change, and they were grateful for it, and so they invested, and so they gave, and because grateful people give, they invest, and it keeps going on and on and on and on, right? 12 years now, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I love my church, and I'm really excited about what God is doing here, but remember, listen, a good investment will always return more than you put in it. And the value of a good investment is based on getting more back than you put in it. And so let's look and see for a moment at what a good investment looks like and what that is. Those investments were made to a fund called Next Steps, which was over and above normal tithes and giving in the year 2006. How many of you remember Next Steps? Let me see your hand. Okay, just a few people in this room, right? A, a few people in, in all of these campuses and all these rooms were here in 2006. It was a fund designed specifically to build this, this room here at, at Battle Creek, the worship center at Battle Creek. And it was a project only for the Battle Creek campus because that was the only campus, right? Mainly for this room right here to build this room that we're now broadcasting from. And here's the deal. At the time, we had no idea what that would lead to. We didn't know at all. In fact, we thought that it would one day lead to a bigger building than this right out here in the front of the property. This would become the children's worship center and the children's space would become mission churches. And we, we had this master plan plan, but that's not what happened. What happened instead was that God knew, even though we didn't know, what this room would become is it would become a hub that would eventually expand to 38th and Lewis, where a thousand people now worship at 38th and Lewis in Midtown. It would expand into Chicagoland. That was never on any of our radars to the church at DePage. And then we would add the downtown campus and TC Cairo, and soon we'll be adding South Tulsa and Owasso campuses. We did not know. And as I said on that video, the amazing thing is we still don't know, right? We have no idea what God wants to do with us and what God has planned for us. And here's the deal. God took that investment and he blessed it. And he didn't just bless it, he multiplied it. And he turned it into something that we could have never imagined. We got more from our investment than we could possibly imagine that we could have gotten out of that. Turn to Mark 6. I want to show you one more story in Scripture because in Mark chapter 6, there's this story that epitomizes this whole thing perfectly. And in this story, Jesus is traveling around from town to town in the country and he's teaching. 
And the people are coming from all around to listen to him teach. And he's teaching. And in this particular story, it's getting late, but he doesn't care because he didn't have a countdown clock. And, and the disciples are coming to him, and they are saying to him, you got to send these people away. you got to send them home so they can make dinner for themselves. And in Mark chapter 6, in, in verse uh, 37, Jesus says, you feed them. To the disciples. He, he says, you are to feed them. Uh, this was Jesus investing in his disciples, and he said, you feed them. You've received something, now you need to give something. You're grateful for all that I've given you, so now you need to give. And he tells his disciples that. And, and that's Jesus investing in them. So the disciples look among themselves, and, and they count what they can find, and they count what they have, and they got five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, right, which would make a couple of sandwiches in, in the way that this would play out, but they invested it anyways, not knowing what this investment could really do. They had no idea what it could do. They, they thought it would feed a couple of people, but there were so many people present, and here's what happens. Look, jump down to verse uh, 41. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Circle that word in your Bible. He blessed them. That, that they took what was in their hands, they put it in Jesus' hands and made an investment, and Jesus blessed what was given. It's important for you to see that, that he blessed it, that what we give to Jesus is now blessed. When we take what is in our hands and we put it in his hands, listen, if the disciples had held on to it, it would not have been blessed. But because they put it in the hands of Jesus, it was blessed. And then it says, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving. He didn't just give. He kept giving the bread to the disciples. He didn't give it to the people. He gave it to the disciples so that the disciples could then distribute it to the people. In other words, what Jesus blessed, he put back into their hands, and then they gave it, and they distributed. And because we have a part to play in this, listen, we have an investment to make. That's the way God set it up. He also divided the fish, according to Scripture, right, for everyone to share. They all, there's that word again that we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, they all ate as much as they wanted. In other words, God provides for our needs, 2 Corinthians 9. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. According to 2 Corinthians you know, chapter 9, he gives us not just enough, but he gives us more so that we can share it. God will give you even more so that you can share it. And the Bible says that day, a total of 5,000 men and all of their families were fed in that story. Those disciples, listen, they had no idea that they were about to feed 5,000 men and their families. They had no idea that that, that that would play out like that. Listen, we had no idea that this room would be used to start six more campuses, but Jesus did. And we have no idea what our investment can make, but Jesus knows. And he is ready to bless it and to place it back in our hands to be used for his glory. Question, what, what do you have? I don't mean in your pocket right now. I'm, I'm asking you, what do you have that you could invest in the kingdom of God? What do you have in your hands that you could invest into the kingdom of God? And we like to talk about it this way when we talk about investments. Time, talent, treasure. 
that all of us have time, all of us have talents, and all of us have treasure, and that we are to invest them in the local church. Why? Because found people find people. So we take our time, and we invest it in people who don't know Jesus, and people who are unchurched, and we invest in their lives. We invite them to church. We invite them to a place where they can come to know Jesus because found people find people. And we invest our time and our talents by finding a place of service at, at TC. Why? Because save people, serve people. That's what they do. And, and because uh, we invest our talents, we can see people grow and we can see people change. And then they get together in community groups. And the investment that you and I made is working to do all of those things in people's lives. But you cannot, listen, you cannot discount the power of taking your treasure and investing it into the kingdom of God. Whatever you have, whether, whether it's big or small, five loaves or two fish. Listen, when we give it to Jesus, he blesses it. And when we give it again, he multiplies it. And then he does things with it that we could never, ever, ever imagine. Let, let's pray together across all of our campuses. You just bow your heads. And I just want to give you a sentence, the beginning of a sentence, and then I want you just to fill in the blanks. Just right where you're seated. I'm grateful for blank. Would you just have a conversation with the Lord? What are you grateful for this morning? And I have found that life is it's like railroad tracks. It's, you got good on one track and bad on the other track. Run, they run parallel. It's never all good, right? There's always something that could be better. There's always something we're praying for. There's always something we need. There's always something we're asking for. But, but it's never all bad either, right? There's always something good, and there's always a blessing. And, and so today, would, would you just thank God for a blessing in your life? What are you grateful for today that God has done? What's something that he has done for you that you forgot to thank him for? I'll never forget as a high school senior reading The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And there's a segment in that story that has rocked my world since 1988. And it's the story of she and Betsy in line at that concentration camp to get their rooming assignment and to get their uh, concentration camp assignment, and they took all of their clothes from them. And as they stood in that line naked, Corey said to Betsy, Betsy, they, they took his clothes too. On that Friday, they took his clothes. And every artist, every artist rendition and, and depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus has, has some sort of a cloth over Jesus. And, and she said, I think that's somehow reverenced by the artist. But they took his clothes. And Betsy said, oh, Corey, I forgot to thank him. for allowing them to take his clothes. 
sleeping in lice-infested hay among disease after disease after disease. The attitude of gratitude prevailed in those two young ladies as they said, Jesus, thank you. Is there something you forgot to thank him for? Would you just pray a prayer of gratitude right where you're seated today? while you pray that prayer, would you just take your palms and lay them face up in your lap? And would you just say to God, God, I don't want to hang on to anything too tightly. That what you place in my hands, I'll steward it. I'm not an owner. I'm just a steward of what you put in my hands. Now show me what to do with what you place in my hands. And under the sound of my voice today on one of our campuses and all of our campuses, There's some of you here today, you've not given your life to Jesus yet. You're still tightly holding on to your very life, and you need to give it to Jesus. And in a sense of gratitude for what he's done to you, you need to give him your life. That he went to the cross and gladly paid the price to win your salvation. And today, you can make the decision to follow after him, to trust him, to give him your life. I would love to lead you in a prayer to help you do just that, to give your life to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to pray it one phrase at a time so that you can repeat it after me, but I want to ask you to pray it out loud. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Those around you who've already given their life to Christ, they're going to pray to encourage you. Wherever you're seated today, you want to trust Christ and give your life to him. Would you just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Today I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, and the best that I understand it, I receive you, Jesus. I receive salvation. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. Would you thank the Lord today for salvation? <laughs>